Hi, welcome to another teaching message from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. All right, so we are on the third week. If you're new or visiting with us in Sycamore, big welcome. So good to have you with us this morning. You came on the third week of our Religion and Scam series, and we're rounding it off today, which makes it awesome. Thank you so much. I didn't get to finish my coffee in the office. We'll come to that. Um, we are rounding off today on our Religion and Scam series, okay? And um, you have every right, if you're new or visiting, to just lean in and feel at home, you know, till we get to the end of service when you'll be asked to pay for you know, being here. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Calm down. You don't pay, okay? It's free of charge. You're welcome. Jesus paid it all. Amen. Amen. Come on. Aren't you glad you don't pay for church? Amen. Amen. All right. Thank, thank God for that. All right. So, um, here we go. You know, I, I don't know about you, but maybe you have that friend that can exaggerate, that can exaggerate details in a way that makes you most uncomfortable. Like, just say something simply. And then you basically just exaggerate, or maybe you're even the one. Like, you can exaggerate things madly you know, that my bank has taken all my money. They only took five naira for an alert or something like that. Like, you just exaggerate things and make it look like the world has stopped. You know, you go shopping and you come back. And maybe this happens with your African mother. Every time she goes to the market, just tells you things are so expensive, I couldn't buy anything. Mom, you bought some things. Okay, you couldn't buy everything you wanted to buy. Do you get what I'm trying to say? But it just makes it look like the world has ended and, and life is all over. People are you're on the queue and then you're telling people I've been here all day. We saw you come here 15 minutes ago. The idea is just that, okay, you've been here for a while. That's simple, okay? So it's just a thing of exaggerating details and all of that. You know, you woke up this morning and you say, ah, that there are like 2 million mosquitoes in my room. Maybe not 2 million, maybe 1.5 million ish. But of course, not 2 million, right? Um, you just make it all look. So there was a guy, there was this young boy very many years ago, old, olden days. His name is um, Eradus. Eradus was talking to his mother one day. Let me tell you about Eradus. Eradus was basically talking to his mother one day. And then he was telling her that mom in school today, there was a fight between two of my classmates. And mother was like, wow, tell me about it. And then he's like, one of them punched the other guy and all his teeth fell out. His mother is like, Eradus, I've told you. Stop exaggerating. Okay, you say, oh, somebody say, okay, a tooth dropped. Or maybe that was even an extra. He's like, honestly, that he punched him and all his teeth fell out. And mother said, I've warned you, this bad habit can put you in trouble. You exaggerate too much. And guys, like, I'm not joking, I'm serious. All his teeth fell out. How can you say all his teeth fell out? Do you know how many teeth a human being had? I said, mom, he gave him one punch and all his... But look, you're getting me angry. Stop exaggerating. Okay, a couple of teeth fell out. No, mom, all the teeth. Mother says, look, if you say that thing one more time, I'm going to call your teacher and we'll ask. Like, mom, call. Uh-uh. I said all the teeth fell out. The mother brings out her phone. Let's call, let's call, let's call the teacher. And then Radus is like, yes, mom, call if you want to call. I'm serious. Uh-uh. Mother says, how can you give somebody a punch and all the teeth will just fall out? Like, mom, I'm serious. Uh-uh. Okay, let me call. What's the name of the person that gave the punch? Let's ask your teacher. And Eradus says, his name is Samson. Uh, Samson. Now, let me help you in case you don't know Samson. Samson is this guy in the Bible. Now, in, in life, many times we say things and it's like figure of speech. If you're ever talking about Samson and you hear something that sounds audacious, I promise it might not be a figure of speech. It might be literal. So Samson is the guy that basically you are having an argument and he's like, look, you're annoying me. I'll bring down this building. It's not figure of speech. He means that he will push it and it will fall down. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Like that is Samson. Samson is this incredibly strong guy. I don't know what it was like if you grew up in Samson era. I don't know what it was like, you know, for Samson's classmates. I can imagine that parents were withdrawing their children from school because you, you have anger problems. You're going to start shouting at Samson in school now. And we might just have to bury you. Do you understand? Like, I can imagine parents have to be withdrawing their kids from school. Samson has moved to this school. All these children are leaving. Like, literally. What was it like to grow up in Samson's era? 
Samson was not just this loud Yoruba boy that would shout, you know, this, I'll beat you, I'll beat you. If you say it 10 times, then you are not planning to do it. You are just trying to create an, like, a, do you get what I'm trying? Samson is not that I'm shouting. Samson would just do stuff, basically. Um, he was that strong guy. Um, mad strength, figure of speech. You know when you say, ah, that ASU and federal government are arguing and, you know, the government is standing on ASU's neck. All those things that are like, because before something, I promise, he probably is. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? You just, don't just hear things and think, um, you know, you know how you tell somebody, man, you're looking so bold. You look like you can tear a lion. Something known is, yes, he would tear a lion. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Let, let me show you the Bible, Judges 14. I'm not making this up. Maybe you've never read the Bible. Welcome to church. We preach out of God's word. Amen. Judges 14, verse 5. So Samson went down to Timah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timah. Now, look at, look at the wordings, everybody. Now, to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. Like, they didn't trip something. Say, your fellow lions have not told you about me. Do you understand what I say? Like, they run away from me. And something is surprised. Like, ah-ah. Hey, lion. Or someone, you know. Why so unfortunate? <laughs> so, verse 6. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he tore the young lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. Oh, yeah, like, eh, do they tear young goat? It's something. That's the point. As, as he tears young goat, he tears lion. Though he had nothing in his hand. Now, this is, this is my favorite part of the verse. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Like, kill the lion, right? He didn't, he didn't snap a picture with dead lion, like, upload it anywhere. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, it's normal, it's normal. He didn't tell. He didn't tweet about it. He didn't. Do you get what I'm trying to say? He didn't record a video. How more the lion. It wasn't like special mention. Like, it's normal. Samson. Samson is madly strong. You can see parents warning their children, hey, this Samson, oh, this Samson. Oh. Like, you know when you have teenagers outside arguing, one parent will call his child. I can hear something. Like, hey, Eratus, come inside. Come inside. And I'll say, no, man, we're just talking about football. <laughs> what club is Samson supporting? He's supporting Chelsea. Go and support Chelsea. Don't argue. Don't argue. And the guy is like, but dad, Samson supports Chelsea. And we all know Chelsea cannot win anything. The father is like, look, look, look. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Just support the club he supports. No, but let, just, let me ask you, if you lived around Samson and Samson says he's supporting a club, you now say, no. <laughs> Samson, you are right. You just have to be right. You are Samson. Samson is strong. On one occasion, they arrested Samson. They tied him up. And Judges chapter 15, if we take it in verse 14, they arrested Samson. They tied him up. And the Bible says in verse 14, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the spirit of, like, he was even first cooperating with them. He told them that, okay, time me that. Just make sure. They brought two new ropes. They tied him. And then they now came after shouting. That's the part where he got angry. <laughs> so the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the ropes that were on his, hand, on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire. And his bones broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. He reached out his hand and took it. And the Bible says he killed a thousand men with it. A thousand, one thousand killed the jawbone. And then in verse 16, he then composes a rap song on top of them. With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps. Yo! With the jawbone of a donkey, I've slain a thousand men. Like, you know, 
when I was growing up, I used to watch like all these Bible story movies and all of that. And I remember watching Samson. They always struggle to depict these things. So basically, what's happening is that 1,000 men, so with a jawbone of a donkey. So the first one comes, he kills. The second one comes. They all form line, one by one. Like, why don't 10 go from the back? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Are we just are these stupid men? But it's Samson. It is Samson. Incredible strength. Samson was the kid's hero. Like we can go on and on talking about Samson's prowess. He was the kid's hero. You can imagine that they had these, you know, cartoon superhero movies about, about Samson and all of that. Samson, what we see with Samson is an absoluteness of human power. But as we track the story and you kind of know where the story gets to, we see its futility on the other side of it. We see a Samson who is so strong that he can kill thousands. He can do anything, but in the same strength, he can't even use that strength to keep his vows to God. So Samson has vows that he has made to God as a Nazarite. There are three things that a Nazarite will not do. A Nazarite will not touch anything dead. And we see Samson going back to that dead lion and taking honey from it. He's failing his covenant with God. The Nazarite will not drink alcohol. Well, not too clear in the scripture about that, but we see Samson in this strong partying culture and it looks like maybe, perhaps. But again, the third thing, the Nazarite will not cut his hair. And we see Samson just in this thing of catching trips with a babe. He's just playing around her. You know, there's no scriptural reference of Samson even having sex with Delilah. He's just flirting, just playing. But in that narrative, he's just not strong enough to keep his vows to God. You know, Samson has it all, but somehow in all this story of mad strength, we see a guy who ends up with his eyes plucked out, grinding for people that are way stronger than him, way weaker than him, that he's way stronger than. And so today what I want to ask for a topic as we round off this series, because if Samson is an Old Testament picture of the called and the chosen of God. If Samson gives us an Old Testament picture of a life of promise in God's calling and God's purpose, an angel is announcing his birth to his mother and all of that. If Samson gives us a picture of somebody whose God's hand is on and all of that. Today I want to ask for a topic. Why would you be a weak Christian? Why would you be a weak Christian? Fantastic. It's the second service guys that are excited. I, you know, first service guys, are just, don't let's talk about that. Why would you be a weak Christian? So we've said over the weeks, in case you're new or joining us here, we've said over the weeks that we don't merely want to be some religious folks. That religion is a scam. Religion is just this adventure of trying to reach God in yourself and it just ends in futility. It's just activity. And we've said that we are not just people trying to reach God, but we're people who are connecting with God, relying on a God who has reached us. That we are not just about the activities that we do, but we are first of all about what we rely on to do those things. And so to be a Christian means that we rely on what God has done for us to build a relationship with him. And last week we also tried to emphasize, so first week we did why would you be a Christian. Last week we said why would you be a religious Christian. And we tried to emphasize that being a Christian is an entire spirit to it. That being a Christian is an entire becoming. Why would you be a religious Christian? Why would you do Christianity in an unchristian way? Why would you be an unbelieving believer? Why would you be a filthy righteous person? And we did all of that last week. Why would you be a selfish beneficiary? Right? And why would you be a non-connected body member? Great. But today I'm asking why would you be a weak Christian. Samson shows us the futility of a life of performance outside of relationship with God. Samson shows us about the scam of religion. 
that he has this appearance of strength. And what we see in Samson is like an appearance of strength. You look so strong. Like basically guys that annoy you, you go, you take up the city gate. Like you look like you can do all things, but there is an emptiness on the inside. Samson shows us that at the other side of just this performance and all of that and human strength is a futility. So come with me to Samson. Let's get towards the end of his life. Come with me to where Samson is dying in Judges chapter 16. And you know about how Samson was taken captive and his eyes were plucked out and all of that. And in Judges chapter 16, you know, the enemies take him and they're just having a party. They're just in the temple of their gods and all of that. And as everywhere, as they were merry and all in verse 25, the Bible says when their hearts were merry, they said, call for Samson that he may perform for us. Like they've reduced Samson to this comic guy. Come and perform for us. So they called Samson from the prison where he was grinding and he performed for them and they stationed him between pillars. Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple and I can lean on them. In verse 27, he says, the temple was full of men and women as all the lords of the Philistines were there. About 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. In verse 28, and Samson called to the Lord saying, oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray just this once, oh God. That I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple. And he braced himself against them. One on his right. Can you see the picture? One on his right and the other on his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might. And the temple fell on the lords of all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed, listen to that, at his death were more than he killed in all his life. So here was the end of Samson. Here was the end of this superhero Samson. This guy who all the kids in that generation aspired and looked up to. Here is his end. Here is the end. Like literally this is where it ends. For all your strength Samson. For all that you, all the promise, all that you could do in yourself. All that you could perform. This is basically where it ends for Samson. And if you just read it at the base like that, you would think, oh man, maybe the Bible is just a story of hopes dashed and of promises unfulfilled and all of that. But we must remember, especially as we come into the Old Testament, that the Old Testament is types and shadows of our own inability as human beings, but God's ultimate plan in Jesus. And so what we see in this moment is that in the place where it looks like hopes are dashed and a superpower can't even help, maybe we need to see who is Samson really pointing us to. Because what I would say today, friends, is that we look at the trajectory of the Bible, we have it way better, friends. We have it way better. The Bible is, I would say again, a story of hope and of promise. And so if Samson's death was a huge statement, if Samson's death was a huge statement and in his death he killed more than in all his life, if Samson's death was a huge statement of vengeance on the Philistines, then I thought of someone, else's who, someone else whose death was an even bigger statement. If Samson is stretching out his hands in his death, I thought of someone who was stretching out his own hands in death also. If Samson was passing judgment on his enemies at death, I'm thinking today of somebody who was receiving judgment for his enemies at death. And I'll say to us today, church, we have a better hero in Jesus. While Samson died to kill his enemies, Jesus died to demonstrate God's love for his enemies. You know, Samson was captured reluctantly. They, they overpowered him. They manipulated and they took Samson captive. But Jesus gave himself up to be captured willingly. You see, while Samson was alive, he killed quite a, a number of people. But the Bible says these words that in his death, he killed more than in all his life. I was thinking about that while Jesus was alive, he, gave, he raised a few people to life. But through his death, Jesus gave life to more than in all his life. And what I want to say today is that if Christianity is just 
about like a religion of aspiring to be good and strong and all of that, then we can be looking to a Samson performance. But let's remember today that true faith, true faith, what it means to be a Christian, at the base of it is that we put our faith in Jesus and we come into his life. Remember that, friends, that we're not just aspiring to some hero somewhere, but he's bringing us into his life so that we can start to live out of his life. And so what it means to be a Christian is that Jesus works himself into us. That right in our DNA, right in the core of who we are, we are living out an expression of who Jesus is. A true faith starts by realizing that what Jesus did is so that we can come to be in him and we can live through him. On the one hand, Samson shows us the scam of religious performance. It's performance without relationship. It's basically just a showing up to do stuff and all of that. And there's an emptiness between you and God. It's all religion. There's a covenant with God. You're despising it, but you are just demonstrating this strength. You are loud. You are all of that. Samson shows us the scam of that and how it all ends in a life of death and futility. But in Jesus, what we see is not just a merely Samson type of strength. It's not a mere Samson type of strength, like trying in ourselves to hold it all together. What we see in Jesus is a genuine connection. It's a genuine relationship. It's a God thing with a God presence. It's a God thing with God's spirit. It's a God thing with God's anointing, with God's plan, and it ends in life. And I want to say to us today, friends, you have Jesus. If you're here and you're a child of God, if you have genuinely put your faith and encountered Jesus through the gospel and you've said yes to him, then you have Jesus in your DNA, that life that flows out. You can be who he calls you to be. You can win in the life he calls you to. This story is not going to end in death. This story is not going to end in fertility. Because of who Jesus is, you can live a life of strength, not just a fictional strength or a superhero kind of strength, but you can live in real strength that fulfills the purpose and the plan of God for your life because you have Jesus why would I be a weak Christian honestly as I think about that it feels like an irony it feels like weak and Christian like when I think Christian and I think that I have Jesus and my DNA and his life in me I feel like that strength and I feel like that an abundance of God's supply and that's thriving in the purpose of God how will I be why should I be a weak Christian why should I be bullied by sin why should I be a Christian and I'm being bullied by sin. Some of you know what I'm talking about, that you basically end this service and in all the shouting and the music and the noise and all of that, and it's all over and you go and you feel like I know the place, you feel like I know the time, I know the appointment and sin shows up. It's almost like sin just holds like a banker and says, oh yeah, it's time, fornication, oh yeah. Like why would I be bullied by sin? Why would I be a Christian that is weak in the face of, of life? Why would I be overwhelmed when it comes to the plan and the purpose that God has for me? Why would I look at what God wants me to do and just feel weak? Why would I look at raising my children and, you know, being the husband and leading that family and just feel like I can't and I'm just overwhelmed and I just feel weak? Why? Would I be looking at what it means to be a Christian and honor God and put him first and feel weak and overwhelmed? Why should I be thinking about the plans of God and how I should be the leader and build and the business and my work and showing up on Monday and all of that, which I just know I'm flowing out of a life and trying to say I want to be what God calls me to be. Why should I feel weak? In the face of being a Christian. When I think Christian, I think like Jesus and I think strength and I think follow out Jesus. So why should I be a weak Christian? Why should I be unsure? Why should I, why, why should I have a life without convictions? Why should I just be unsure like, like just tossed to and fro? Basically like every wind is just tossing me and I can't even say what I believe and hold. How do you see yourself this morning as a Christian? Do you see yourself as barely getting by? Like just surviving every one more day? Like 
marking the calendar about when last I slept and hoping that this time it will not be just two months. Maybe we can make it three months. Like, do you see yourself as just some weak, barely getting by person? You see yourself as a Christian that Satan is just boboing. Boboing. You know when they bobo you, like, uh, uh, like Satan is just catching trips with you. Like, basically, you are walking on the road. One, one commercial prophet walks up to you, tells you this one, and tells you, hey, your problem is from your village. You run to your village, and then basically, uh, 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 and in the village, they tell you to bring one money. You spend all your savings and all of that. Then you come and you look at your life and just feel boboed. Why should I be a Christian that is weak? Why should I feel powerless? Powerless. I know I'm supposed to love. I know I'm supposed to forgive there. Like you know what you're supposed to do, but you just feel weak. Why would you be? That's my question today. Why would you be a weak Christian? Why would you look at what it means to be a Christian and just feel like I can't? Today, what I want to say to us, this is not the design of the Christian life. This does not look like a life with Jesus to me. For me, the design of a Christian life is a life that is flowing in the rhythms and strength of who Jesus is. And if I've given my life to say I am a follower of Jesus, then I believe it's all. His DNA runs in me. His life runs in me. Do you hear what we were doing just in this moment in communion? Remembering that the death that he died, he died so that we would have the life that he had. Do you realize what it means to say that he came to be in us? Why should I be a weak Christian? It doesn't sound like my Christianity to me say that I'm weak and overwhelmed in the face of all of this. My Christianity to me sounds like Acts chapter 4 verse 13. That the Bible says that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, these guys are standing before the rulers of the day and they're having to defend themselves and it's a real tense time and all of that. But there's like a boldness. There's an audacity. There is, and the Bible says they saw it. They saw the boldness. Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. You know that's where the problem is. That, you know, it's one thing to be uneducated and all of that, but like you can code it. But when you're trying to talk and your lack of education is showing, that Peter is trying to say, Jesus rose. It's like, Jesus raised. They're like, hell, you know. They saw that these guys, their education was limited, they're untrained. But look at the words. The Bible says they marveled. Here's it. They realized that they had been with Jesus. Friends, come on, there's something it means to have been with Jesus. There's what it means to have been with Jesus when I show up on Monday. I don't just want to be the person that I'm with Jesus in church on Sunday and then I show up on Monday and there is no evidence. I can't feel it. You just look weak, you look overwhelmed. I want to be the kind of person that you're like, man, how do you have this life? You realize I have... Men, I've been with Jesus. There's an audacity he gives me. I've been with Jesus. I'm speaking back to the devil. I'm telling the devil, no, no more, no more, no more over my home, over my family. I have been with Jesus. I'm telling the devil, the last time you lied to me is the last time you will lie to me. I have been with Jesus. There's a boldness and audacity that he gives. That's the kind of Christianity I want. Amen, anybody? I want the Christianity that you say, ah, man, you've been with Jesus. I don't come to church just for church. You know, when we come to church and we encounter the God of our church, amen? And it's not just about an attendance, it's not just about an occasion, but we encounter a substance of who Jesus is. And so I show up with my work on Monday and my work realizes you have been with Jesus. I show up to the same demands on Monday and it realizes you have been with Jesus. I show up in the conversations and there's a realization. Ah, it's not my education, no. it's not my skill, no. Uh, there's a realization you have been with Jesus. This kind of wisdom is because you have been with Jesus. This kind of audacity is because you have been with Jesus. This kind of ability flowing onto life is because this kind of peace that you have that passes understanding 
it's because you have been with Jesus. Amen. You know, you know the kind of peace that starts threatening you that you are saying, why you are worried that you have peace? You know that type? It's because I've been with Jesus. Amen. Been with Jesus. But, but let's backtrack a little. What was it like for these disciples? Let's backtrack just a few years earlier because now they've been with Jesus and we see all that boldness and all. But if we backtrack a little, you know all that Jesus had come to build to them. You know, you remember where you were, guys, when Jesus picked you up? Tax collectors, you know, miserable guys just living your life. And Jesus came into your life. He said, follow me and I will make you. He started to bring a voice of promise into your hope. And here you are. Maybe, Peter, you're always having, you know, marital issues with your wife. Maybe you're always fighting and all. Then you start following Jesus. He started rubbing off on you. They realized you are doing with Jesus. Bartholomew, maybe you are struggling with masturbation. And then Jesus came into your life. And you just realized, man, he's bringing life into me. There's a new strength about being with Jesus. Whatever your issues were, maybe you had anger issues, James. But suddenly being with Jesus is starting to tell. But you know how you remember who you were before Jesus came? And then now Jesus has come into your life. And then one day Jesus sits down with his disciples and he basically says to them, Guys, I'm going. <laughs> Stop the joke, bro. You're not going. You can't be going. We all go. That's, that's what we do. Jesus and his disciples, they all, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Let us, we all go. They all arose and entered into Jericho. They, they all moved. Do you understand? But for once Jesus comes and says, Guys, now I am going. You guys are staying. No, 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 Jesus, you have to be joking because if I was one of Jesus' disciples, I would basically be telling, bro, we die here. Like, we stay, we hold you, like, know where you are going. You remember? Because all things that will start flashing in my mind if I was Jesus' disciple. You remember when we were trying to cast out demons? You know, one time Jesus went to the mountain before he came back, the one man brought his son, they now started, oh yeah, come out. <laughs> the thing dealt with them. Then Jesus quickly came and saved the occasion for them. Now Jesus says, he's going, do you understand what he just does to you? Remember when you were broke and you had to pay tax? And then as they came and they were asking Jesus for the tax, you were like, yeah, you are bower. And then, and then Jesus, basically, Jesus basically tells them, oh, oh, okay, tax, like Caesar, yeah? And Jesus is like, go and get that fish, open the mouth and bring out the coin and pay for both of us. <sighs> Jesus knows the fishes that have coin in their mouth. Or he puts coin in the mouth of the fish he wants. You understand? So how does he go? Like, you can't go, Jesus. Like, we got that dead. You get what I'm saying? Like, you can't go. What will happen? What will happen to my life? Remember when you went to storms and, you know, the boats was turned and you came and you said, Jesus, don't you care that we are perishing? Like, the guy was sleeping. And he basically just woke up. Ah, peace be still. And then even as guys, why are you disturbing my sleep now? Like, how do we do this? And Jesus now says he's going. But you miss the point if you just take it as Jesus saying he's going. Because he's a good savior, isn't he? He's not going to abandon us. He's not going so that we'll be all alone and left like orphans. So you read the wordings in John 16 and verse 7. Listen to what he says. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. And this just sounds to me like the big joke. Like, how do you, you know, it's one thing for you to lose a loved one. And then you're trying to say, man, I encourage myself. There's an ultimate hope and blah, blah, blah. But how do you just put that word Jesus and say advantage? What can be an advantage over having you? Let me ask you this way. As, as you walk the trajectory of your life, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, this week. What if Jesus came in here this morning and said, you know what? I would come and be with you throughout this week. Like we'll be going physically together everywhere. What does that sound like to you? Like Jesus, you, you would like go with me. Like I can be at work and when my boss is shouting, I'm like, Jesus, should I answer? He's like, no, 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 just, just come, chill, chill, chill. I'll deal with him. And you're like, ah, okay. You know, like, what would it be like for you to just have Jesus physically beside you? When you look at that child who is just misbehaving, and you're like, Jesus, I'm ready to kill the child. And he's like, no, don't kill. Just slap three times. You're like, okay. 
I do believe sometimes he would say that, you know, but just don't let this lamp be too hard. You know, things like that. Like, what would it be like to have Jesus physically with you? You're broke. And you look across your room. And you see Jesus sitting down on the couch, smiling at you. Wouldn't it feel different? I'm broke, oh. But if Jesus is there, it's a process. Now, yeah, Jesus, do something now. And he's like, just stay chill. You, you get what I'm trying to say? Like, if I had Jesus physically with me, that's dope. But Jesus now says to them, like, guys, I'm going. You're not having me physically. But he says, it is to your advantage. Wow. And then he says, because if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Amplified Classic hits this well. It says, however, I'm telling you nothing but the truth. When I say it is profitable. Somebody say profitable. Good, expedient, advantageous that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, he calls him the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby, will not come to you. That is, he will not come into close fellowship. There's a fellowship that he wants to have with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. So Jesus says, friends, my, my followers, friends, disciples, Jesus is basically saying, when you have the Holy Spirit, he's an advantage over having me physically. That's what Jesus is basically telling you. So let me put it to you this way. We have an advantage over doing life with physical Jesus. No, you didn't hear what I just said. I said we have, like, doing life with physical Jesus is incredible. It's awesome. But we have an advantage over doing life with physical Jesus. Have an advantage. Somebody shout advantage. Let me ask you, let me say to you this way. If as a Christian, I am not living my life at an advantage hmm, over having Jesus physically present with me. I didn't say it's the same. I didn't say I'm almost there. I said if as a Christian, I am not living my life at an advantage over having Jesus physically with me, then there is something about the Holy Spirit that I've not yet come into there's just something about the Holy Spirit that I've not yet realized. There's something about the Holy Spirit that I've just not yet given myself to. I've just not yet come into terms with. If I don't have an advantage over like, Jesus, you are with me on the toughest day of my life. And I look to you and I'm like, Jesus, what should I do? And, and I get every advantage of being with Jesus. If as a Christian, there isn't a greater advantage than that. Then there's something about the Holy Spirit that I haven't yet come into. And I want to say today, everybody, please hear me well. If you haven't heard anything I've said today. I need something more than just a scam of religion. I need something more than just a display on the outside like Samson Powell. I need something real and I need something genuine. And what I'm saying to you today is not about like Christian, special Christian stuff. It's not about, you know how we come and we start to categorize ourselves. I'm not the Holy Spirit type of person. I'm just like, I'm like, you know, Jesus. I'm not into like, in like spirit stuff. Listen to me well, everybody. This is not spirit stuff, people. This is what it means to be a Christian. Listen to Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Romans 8 and verse 9. It says, but you are not like that. You are controlled by your new nature if you have the spirit of God living in you. Now listen to this, everybody. Touch somebody around you. Say you must listen to this. And remember that if anyone doesn't have the spirit of Christ living in him, he's not a Christian at all. Did you hear me? He's not a Christian at all. If you're a Christian, you have the spirit of Christ. If you are a Christian, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you said yes to Jesus, then there is a spirit. Please stay with me. I'll show you in just a moment. But it says, if you are a Christian, then you do have the spirit of Christ. 
This is not about, you know, at some point when I grow in my journey with God, then I'll not like kind of get into the Holy. No, no, no. The day you said yes to Jesus, you received the Holy Spirit. When God puts the language of his spirit, when God puts the language of the power of his spirit, he puts it on everybody. Listen to the prophecy in Joel chapter 2. It says, afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Do you see God's attitude towards the Holy Spirit? He's generous. He's saying, I will pour out. Whether it's young people that are figuring out life, whether it's old people full of regret whether it's male whether it's female whether it's servants he says all people I will pour out do you see God's generosity with his spirit so why would I be a weak Christian why would I have the gift and the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit and live my life as if he doesn't exist why would I be a weak Christian and if you are if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 says that, you know, it is, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That the reason why you are even a Christian was a working of the Holy Spirit in you. Have you ever thought about it? How did you believe that whole story about 2,000 years ago, one man died, and because that man died, if today I say yes, then it's connected. Like, how do you believe that? Like, have you ever looked at yourself and said, ah, eh? I'll tell you why. It was the Holy Spirit working in you, giving you a promise, giving you a conviction about the power of the gospel. And you believe that's why you're here. <laughs> but my emphasis today, what I just want to do as I learn today, is to emphasize about how we can be growing in this awareness of the gift that is given to us. I don't want a scam kind of Christianity that is just clouds without waters. It's just like a show, something loud on the outside and all of that. I want something that is all about who Jesus is to me and the promise of the Holy Spirit that strengthens me and gives me a powerful rhythm in real life every day. I don't want to be a weak Christian. And so if we're going to land in that place, there are three words that I think we see in scripture that I'll just raise as red flags, that really dangerous words that I would caution us about. The first one today it's in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. It says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. You resist. The first word I want us about today, church, if we're going to be a people that are going to live in the strength that the Spirit supplies, if we're going to be a people that will live in the rhythms of power, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and the precious Spirit that He has given to us, we must be people that do not resist the Holy Spirit. We do not resist the Holy Spirit. Listen to that in ERV. It makes it a bit clearer. Stephen said, you stubborn Jewish leaders, you refuse to give your hearts to God or even listen to Him. You are always against what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. And today I just want to say to us, church, in as, humble, in as humble a way as I can, I just want to say to us, please, let's not resist the Holy Spirit. Why would we? Why would we so audaciously stand against the Holy Spirit? Why would you do that? Why would you be against what he wants you to do? Today I'm not asking you, do you know 10,000 things he wants you to do? I'm asking you the one thing that you know. Are you resisting it? I'm asking you the one thing that you know is right. The one relationship you know what to do with. The one place you know you shouldn't be that one thing I'm asking. Are you resisting the Holy Spirit? Please friends, there's a rhythm of power and of strength of what it means to be a Christian. There's a beauty of a life that we are called to. He says, don't resist 
the Holy Spirit. God's Word translation says don't oppose him. Message Bible says you are deliberately ignoring the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Deliberately ignoring. Why would you? Why would God give us such a gift of strength and of power that is audacious and we would ignore him? Why would we? So today I want to ask, what is your posture towards the Holy Spirit? See the posture of ignoring. You know that person that just talk all you want to talk, I know what I want to do. Is there a posture in your heart of ignoring the Holy Spirit? Somebody say, in the name of Jesus, I do not oppose the Holy Spirit. The second word I would say today that I just think we must be careful about as we build a journey. Just growing. The Holy Spirit is so good that he's pleased to come to you where you are and start a journey with you. This is not about great people. This is not about special people. The Holy Spirit is so good that he's pleased to right now right here where you are say but but these are words that you must we must all that will that would join all of us that i'm not resisting and secondly today do not quench the spirit in first thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19 paul is giving all these instructions as he ends his letter and he's saying pray without season rejoice always in everything give thanks and all and then in verse 19 he says those words do not quench the spirit it's just something about knowing the passion and the fire of the spirit that Paul is saying, don't, don't put out, don't quench. Some translation says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't quench, don't douse the passion. Like, have you, have you ever had that thing before that somebody came into a room so excited and was ready? Maybe it's happened to you with a loved one. Like, you were coming and there was this Jesus that you wanted to tell them. You are so fired and pumped. And you run in and you just say, guess what, guess what, guess what? And then they just gave you something that, ah, and you just, boom, you know what I'm talking about. And everything, and they're like, oh yeah, say what you want to say. No, it's gone. It's gone. It's like your kind of posture to the Holy Spirit. Like he's coming with a promise of life and of passion and of, hey, do you see what we can become? Do you see what God is working in your life? Do you see the sound of the promise? And we just quench the passion and the fire of the Holy Spirit. We quieten his zeal in our lives. I was thinking about this and thinking about how one of the things that would quench the spirit is like a fire burning and you're pouring water on it. One of the things that would quench the spirit in our lives is when we are so stuffing up a contrary atmosphere to him. When there's a fire trying to burn and instead of fanning that fire, instead of encouraging and bringing a corresponding to that fire, all we're doing is that we are bringing a contrary atmosphere to the atmosphere of the spirit. I was thinking about how two people can be sitting in a room if two of us are sitting in a room and, you know, there's just great conversation going on and all of that. There's a beauty about when a third person walks in and that third person is a mutual friend. Who knows what I'm talking about? And then it just brings a new spark and all of that and the conversation just burns even stronger. But you know when the third person that walks into the room is just one person's friend and the other person, you know, are not. You know how it just goes quiet? You know what I'm talking about? Come on, ladies, 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 help me. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'll tell you what, I want to be the kind of person that says, I know that in salvation, God gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit. So one of the things I'm going to learn to do to keep that atmosphere of the Spirit is that I'm going to bring in mutual friends. Mutual, somebody say mutual friends. I'm going to bring the kind of things into my life that the Holy Spirit is comfortable to work with. I'm going to bring like an atmosphere that collaborates with the Holy Ghost. Come on. I'm going to bring the kind of stuff that, that stir up the mutuality of what I share with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to give the Holy Spirit something to work with in my life. I'm going to give him a song that brings a mutuality of what we share. I'm going to give him a sermon that brings the mutuality of what we share. I'm going to give him a reading of my Bible that brings a mutuality of what we share. I'm going to bring in the kind of friends that speak about the mutuality of the things we share. 
We're going to be in the conversations that the Holy Spirit feels like, oh, more, let's talk. I will add my own, you add your own. Like, let's all be in this together. I don't want to carry the Holy Ghost that was given to me to all the places he's not comfortable with. To all the conversations that quench his fire. To all those voices that just don't sound like a spirit of faith. And stuff myself and quench the zeal. I want the kind of conversations in my life every day to be sparking the zeal that the Holy Spirit has in my heart. I'll tell you what, friends. I'm going to give the Holy Spirit something to work with in my life. I want to give him some good Christian friends that, you know, gives me mutuality. I want to get on a call. I get on a chat. There's mutuality. There's an Instagram handle that is mutuality with the Holy Ghost. Do you get what I'm trying to say? There's a Twitter handle. Do you understand? I'm not just, do you get I want to give the Holy Spirit something mutual that sparks up the fire and fans it more and more into life. And many of you, because you're not giving the Holy Spirit a voice and all of that in your life, that is why every commercial prophet, that's what I call you, I'm sorry, but every commercial prophet will just bubble you anyhow. Because you are looking for one Holy Spirit that is here. You are looking for him everywhere. And so somebody just basically walks up to you on the road and says, Hmm, come. Hey, I'm seeing something over you. You are the firstborn of your family. And I say, yes, yes, yes. Hmm, your star. They are fighting it. Hey. Say, you know, I say, but there's something we can do. You know, I say, hey, what can we do? You know, I say, you live at number 13. So I say, he say, ah, yes, yes, yes. You grew up in Ijebu Ode. He said, yes, yes, yes. Ah, wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me tell you something. If my father wants to speak to me, he's trying to reach me, and then he has to go and bring somebody I don't know from anywhere to send a message to me. Uh, the only way that would make sense is if I'm a stubborn, useless, rebellious child. I'll tell you why. You know when one person from your village that you have never met, that they say is the, is the comes and now says, come and sit down, we need to talk. Your daddy has spoken to me about you. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That's the kind of child you are. That God wants to speak to me. God, by his spirit that lives in me, wants to speak to me. My father will first try my phone. Okay, he's not getting through. He'll try the people around me. He'll try my wife's phone. Amen. He'll try my friend. He'll try the neighbor he knows that I'm with. Amen. He will try what is around me. He will try my structures that he respects. Then when nothing can reach me, nothing cannot speak to me by his word. Nothing. Then he'll go and call that village elder that they say is the oldest man in the village. That maybe you can talk to him for us. You get what I'm trying to say here. And maybe I say, no, nah, no, you don't understand that. that, that no, 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 no. The word of knowledge. Uh -uh. He told me, he told me where I live. He told me where I grew up. He told me that I'm defense, but like everything was so accurate. Wait, do you think that Satan doesn't know your house address? He sees you coming out every morning. Do you get what I'm trying to say? He knows you are defense, but now he sees all the other same, but that's you. He understands, he knows you are defense, but now. He knows. You think he doesn't know where you grew up? Why do some things trip you? Why do some things trip you? Can I tell you, hmm. Your phone number is mm, oh, eight, mm, one. Who doesn't know your phone number? It's in many people's. Do you understand? I can basically check it. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? I can tell you account number is in GTB files. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Satan knows all these things. And if all you're looking for is some, uh, some Holy Spirit somewhere there, what I'm saying is he is right here. Don't despise prophecies, but respect the structure of his spirit. Test all spirits and hold fast to what is true. Respect the structure. He respects his structure. All right. So give him something to work with. The third thing I'll say today, I have to land. First of all, I've said, don't resist the spirit. Secondly, don't quench the spirit. Thirdly, this morning, don't strive 
with the Spirit. Don't strive with the Spirit. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, we see some words that God says that I think must hit on every one of us that wants to have a journey with the Holy Spirit in a very sobering way. God says, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. I'll tell you the truth, friends. In resisting the Holy Spirit, we're opposing, we're ignoring him. In quenching the Holy Spirit, we're putting out a fire and, you know, starving his atmosphere in our lives. But in striving with the Holy Spirit, we're just in a tussle. A tussle. Like, we've been on this before. We spoke about this. We've gone back and forth on this. The Bible says, don't strive. My spirit will not strive with man forever. My spirit will not strive with man forever. It's this thing about disobedience, talking, just again, back forth, back forth. Because what this leads to is some of the saddest words I've ever read in my Bible. Romans chapter 1 gives us an example of that. In a few other places in the Bible, you would see these words. Because of this, God gave them up to their vile passions, to their disobedience, to their ways. God, some of the saddest words you can read in the Bible. The whole Bible is a story of God coming to take us up. And when we now read words in that same Bible of God gave them up, gave them over to a debased mind, to their foolish ways. Like, that's what you want. That's what you choose. We can't strive forever. Because in the point at striving then, what you are saying is that God is no longer God. What you are saying is that, and God will not share his glory. God, if you want to question anything, ask God, why did you do that? Ask God any question. But don't question him as God. We start to strive with God. And God says, no, the purpose of my spirit is not to strive with you. If God was in a battle to overpower you, he would have done that long ago. God is not trying to overpower you. He's trying to lead you. Right? The Holy Spirit is not here to control you. He's here to lead you. Are you hearing me this morning? He's here to lead you in love. Listen to the wordings in Psalm 32 verse 8. It says, the Lord says, I will guide you. Look at the words guide you. In the message Bible, it says, I will take you by the hand and lead you. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and I will watch over you. So in verse 9, this is the warning. Do not be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Don't be like that. We don't want to talk you, God is saying. Have a heart that obeys, that is yielded. Something that that does for the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't quench the Spirit, but don't strive with Him. I don't ever want to get to that place. I don't know if you remember that. Philip, the Deco Law, you know. I don't ever want that to be God's attitude. The angels are trying to go, Philip, I don't ever want to be there. I don't ever want to be there. And today my question is, when you think of all the Holy Spirit is, why would you be a weak Christian? Why would you be a weak Christian? Like this whole Jesus thing that comes with an image of strength and of passion and even better, it's not a Samson superhero kind of thing. Like, and even better, it's life, it's power, it's strength. And then why would I be weak in something that is so great? Why would I be a weak Christian? What's Christianity without the consciousness of the Holy Spirit? It's like a cloud without water. It's like a loud sounding thing. <laughs> the very essence of being a Christian thrives on a supernatural supply of his strength. And today I'm asking, what is your posture towards the Holy Spirit? For some of you this morning I'm speaking to, maybe your posture is a posture of like a historic thing. It's something that happened. I can take you to the date. It was May 25, 2007. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. And I do believe that in our journey with the Holy Spirit, there are historic moments. There is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. There is a, an on and on feeling with the Holy Spirit and all of that. I do believe there are moments that we can point to. But what I'm saying is, do you have a right here, right now conversation going? 
Was it just a thing at some point in your life? Why would you be a weak Christian? Why, why would I be lacking leading in my life when there's a spirit to lead me? Why would I be lacking wisdom? Why would I be without wisdom when there is a spirit to fill me with the wisdom to do the life that, like you do, you know that in the Holy Spirit you have all the wisdom that you need to do the life he calls you to. So why should I be without it? Why should I be lacking help? Why should I be lacking strength when there is a spirit to supply it? Why would I be weak and overwhelmed in the face of like, ha, ah, I'm just going to stand Monday. Hey, I just already feel dead. When there's a spirit that raises you up, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, Romans 8, 11, then God will also by his spirit give life, quicken your mortal bodies. Why would you be lacking of strength when there's a Holy Spirit to supply? Like the very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Why should I be? That's what I'm asking today. Why should we be weak Christians? Why should our Christianity just be a sound, like a loud shout? We shout in church, but we walk out of these doors and you are silenced by things that Jesus has conquered. Why? It doesn't add up, people. Why should I be a weak Christian? Why should I be overpowered by sin when, when there's a supply of strength and a spirit of victory in the Holy Spirit? Why should I? Why would I be a weak Christian? So, Paul reminds Timothy, and as I close, Tim, please come. Paul reminds Timothy that there is, it's one thing to say that we have a gift. I need something else here. Thank you. It's one thing to say that we have a gift. Um, but it's another to see it alive and functional. Thank you so much. So I got me black coffee before coming this morning. How many of you love black coffee? The gist is that if you fly London, New York, I haven't flown it before. The gist is that if you fly London, New York, you know, many other routine flights, especially like vacation destinations, Everybody's always eating, eating. You don't see people drinking on plane and all. Just more food, more food. But London, New York, people don't, everybody just turning down food. Just, the few, most of the people, because that's the top business route in the world. Most people, black coffee, black coffee. Just, just black coffee, black coffee. No sugar, black coffee. Some of you say, it's not my money I paid. Give me everything. Anyway. So, but the issue here is, I don't, I don't, should we put sugar in it? Okay, so let's, put sugar because there's no sugar basic how many spoons do you recommend let's put let's put one more so that it's so put put sugar in it same thing Problem here. We put it in, but it's the same thing. Mmm. <laughs> now, 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 now. So Paul writes to Timothy, to Timothy one and verse six, and he says to him, "Therefore I remind you that I don't just remind you that there's a gift of God in you, but I remind you that you should know what it means to stir it up." What I want to say to somebody today, listen, listen, sugar doesn't make coffee sweet. Stirred sugar makes coffee sweet. It's the stirring, it's the stirring. 
It's the stirring. I know there's a gift of God in you. I know you received the Holy Spirit. I know that as a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. The spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of power, the spirit of the fear of God. I know he is in you. I know he's here now. But my question is, is there a stirring? It's the stirring. And so this week, what I want to encourage you as you go out, if you didn't hear anything I said today, if you can hold it together and say, one, I have the Holy Spirit. And two, this week, would you live a life that is stirring him? That is stirring up a consciousness. It's okay to just start by being comfortable with a consciousness of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Just that idea that I do have the Holy Spirit. And let's start from there. Let's start with a consciousness. Let's, let's give the Holy Spirit some mutual friends that collaborates that atmosphere this week. And say, Holy Spirit, I know that you are there. It's awesome. Listen, one of the things you get comfortable with is just even speaking to him and saying, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're helping me with work today. Thank you. I thank you, Lord. I know my boss is likely to shout today, but Holy Spirit, thank you that you're helping my attitude. Thank you that you're keeping me calm. Thank you, Spirit of God, that I have what it takes to raise this child who I will not kill the child. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're helping me with this. Thank you that you're helping me with my work. Huh, Holy Spirit, I feel confused. And somebody's like, ah, wouldn't that be weird? Like you are walking on the road talking to yourself. Now, let me help you with what is more weird. Come, quick, come, totally come, run, 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 jump. Can you jump? Don't let it tell. If you hear bra, it's not me. All right, come, come, come. Let, let me show you what. Let me show you what is more weird. We go on one hour, two hours, three hours, one day. Day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. What is more weird is being with someone and not talking to the person. What makes sense is that if we are together and you kind of see us talking and you're like, what did you say? We're not talking to you. We are just having a conversation here. So how's your babe now? <laughs> right? We're we just having our conversation. It's more weird to be with the Holy Spirit and say, I know he's there. I'm like, talk to him, talk to him, talk to him. Tell him how grateful you are for life. Tell him how grateful you are that he's with you. Tell him how much you know that he's at work in you right here and right now into a good plan. And I may not know everything, but Holy Spirit, thank you that you are so wise right now. And you know how we're going to do this, Spirit of God. Because of the Holy Spirit, you have what? it takes i'll put it better you have who it takes to thrive in the life that god calls you to who has faith for that this morning who has faith for a strength this week who has faith for a holy spirit that is empowering you unto all the purpose of god for your life somebody say in the name of jesus i'm not a weak christian i'm thriving come on let me hear you guys i'm thriving if you're not standing, I'm judging you. Stand up. I'm thriving in the purpose of God for my life. Say, by the help of the Holy Spirit, I am becoming all that God calls me to be. Say, right now and right here, the Holy Spirit is at work in me unto a good end. I'm not a cloud without water. I'm not just a religious Christian. I am full of power. I'm full of might to be all. That God calls me to be. Now come on, let's clap our hands and let's praise him this morning. Come on, come on. Who's grateful today? Thank you, Spirit of God. Thank you for your power. Right here and right now. Jesus, we thank you that you did not leave us to be alone like orphans. 
but that right here and right now we have the sweet abiding presence of your spirit to do life with and Lord, I just pray that as we worship this morning, you just stir up an awareness, friends. If we can't, can we just lift our hands? We're going to worship. But let an awareness just be stirred up. Let your heart turn towards him today. Let your heart be welcome in his presence. Let a consciousness be stirred up. I don't know who you came to church with today, but in this moment, I want you to see who you are with. The precious spirit of God that is here to empower, that is here to do life with you. Here to give you a new vision. Here to give you new strength. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, come on, let's sing out this morning. Just lay your hands on your heart, sing it one more time. Because I know that you still my heart. Voice be all. That I can't. Give me new vision, Spirit of God. Go in, come out. Have your way, have your way, Spirit of God. Have your way right across this room in every heart. Have your way in every stubborn heart. Have your way in every cold heart. Have your way. Put a fire, God. I pray again wake up a fire, wake up a passion in every place where the fire feels quenched this morning. God, I pray, have your way, Spirit of God. We need you from the left to the right, from the front to the back, everywhere online. I pray right now that you would move like only you can, that you would touch, that you would empower, that you would put a spark. I pray, Lord, into every heart, into every distant heart, that you put a fire of your presence, into everyone longing right now, that you put a spark of who you are. Spirit of God, we need you. We confess our need of you. Have your way.
have your way have your way in us again have your way in us again have your way in our church have your way in every family have your way in every life group have your way in every connect have your way in every team have your way in every individual god have your way over our children have your way god over the work of our hands have your way god thank you that you are not distant you're not far away have your way you know you know when Jesus was raised back to life and he was telling his disciples that you know the Holy Spirit will come he told them go and tarry go and wait for fulfillment and so all these 120 guys went into what we call the upper room and they began to pray and wait and you know looking forward to it and you know about how in Acts chapter 2 the Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come that there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind and you know fire just sat upon all of them tongues of fire and the Holy Spirit invaded that room like a wind and filled them in a whole way that they had never experienced before and you know Peter began to preach and say this is a fulfillment of Joel but what I want you to know today is that what the disciples were waiting for as an event that will happen happened once and for all in that moment and a prophecy was fulfilled and what we stand in now so they were waiting that you know Jesus will send the Holy Spirit but what we stand in now in this moment is that the Holy Spirit is given and so when we lift our hands that we're waiting on him it's not a tomorrow thing it's a right now thing it's not a at some point he will answer it's that blessed are they that call upon him because right now they'll be filled blessed are the hungry because right now they will be filled that you don't have to walk out of those doors the same way because the prophecy is already fulfilled right here and right now all it takes is am i thirsty am i longing am i hungry but the holy spirit is given he's given prophecy is fulfilled strength is already given if you would receive it grace is already given if you would receive it wisdom is already given if you would receive it all it takes to thrive is already given if you will receive it he has already emptied out and poured his spirit and today holy spirit all we want to say to you is you are welcome you're welcome in every heart you're welcome in our church you're welcome in every life you're welcome to do life with us to commune with us you're welcome Holy Spirit have your way like the wind breathe upon us Holy Spirit blow upon us again in a fresh way like a fresh wind breathe into our lungs a fresh capacity for God breathe into our lungs a fresh strength and longing for you Holy Spirit we welcome you we love you we love you now just lift your hands and worship him all across this room. Just lift your hands and worship him all across this room. We love you, Holy Spirit. I love you, Lord. Come on, everybody. And I lift. Come on, just put an atmosphere of worship here today. To worship you, everybody sing. Oh my soul!
Come on, let's put some good strategy for the Holy Ghost. Here we are. When last did you worship him? When last did you just pour your love on him? Let it be. Let it be a good sound here today. Let it be a good sound in every life. Let it be a good sound over everyone. Now this time, let's lift it up from the front to the back. I love you, Lord. to you God somebody say I love Jesus say that again I love Jesus so I welcome the Holy Spirit be at home in my heart. I'm not a stranger to the presence of God. I'm not a stranger to an atmosphere of God. Say, I love the sound of worship. I love the sound of God. Say, I love His presence. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Say, we're doing this week together, Holy Spirit. We're doing life together, Holy Spirit. You make me strong, Holy Spirit. You make me brave, Holy Spirit. You make me audacious, Holy Spirit. Say, because of you, Holy Spirit, I will be all that God calls me to be. 
I will thrive in the life that God calls me to live. I will fulfill all that God calls me to walk in. I believe it. Who says amen? Amen. 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 If we can stay standing, I want to make an invitation today. Somebody came to church and it's not in the right place with God. And we're standing because we just want to honor you this morning and invite you to a life-changing decision. If you're online, following service, wherever you are, I want you to please stand in this moment. We just want to form a chain all over the world and honor somebody, honor a friend who needs to say yes to Jesus. You know what? If any of us has a right standing with God, it's because we encountered this moment where we said yes. We surrendered. It makes all the difference. It's a world of difference. It's not about us. It's not about how strong we are or how good we are. It's about how good a savior he is. And when we say yes to him, you know what happens is that we are basically letting our guards down, stopping the scam of religion, of trying in ourselves. And we're just saying yes to a God who has done it all and invites us to his story. Maybe you're here today and you can't boldly say you're in the right place with God. Maybe sin has created a separation between you and God. That's all of us for the start. You failed, you've made poor choices. Maybe at some point you had made a decision like this, but you know that you're far away, you've walked away. And you want to be made right with God today. I'm so grateful that you would be honest enough. And you know all it's going to take today is a sincere prayer. I would love to stand with you and lead you in. It's just a sincere prayer. It's not about trying harder. It's about surrendering. Because 2,000 years ago, when Jesus went up on that cross, he paid a price that you can never pay. And the very day that you come and say, Jesus, I believe and I surrender to what you have done, then that price is accounted for you. And you are made righteous. You are put in a right standing with God. And that's the miracle that I want to happen to you today. So if you'd say, I'm not right with God, I've never been born again, or at some point I've made the decision, but today I know that I'm far away. We want to honor you and stand with you. Can I just ask everybody to bow their heads, close their eyes right now. And if you say that to me, you're speaking to me, I need to come back home. I'm going to count to three where you are, whether in this building or online anywhere. I just want you to put your hand on your chest as a statement and a sign before an almighty God this morning. You're speaking to me, I need to be made right with God. Are you ready? One, two, three. Put your hand on your chest right now. That's a miracle about to happen in your life. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for your sincerity. Everybody who is doing that this morning. God bless you. God sees you. And if you are online also, please do that where you are. God is with you. God bless you. Thank you. I honor your sincerity and I honor your decision today. That's awesome. Everybody around the room can see. God bless you. That is a miracle happening in your life. You know what? This is a family, not a crowd. We want to identify with you. We're going to lead you in a prayer and we're all going to say together with you because we love you and want to stand with you today. But if your hand is in your chest, I want you to say these words with boldness. Know that God hears your voice and there's a miracle happening in your life right now. So can we all say together, everybody, Heavenly Father, I come to you today because you've made a way for me to come through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. So I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he's the savior of the world. I make this the day that I boldly confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Say, God, please forgive me of the past and give me a whole new start. Say, fill me with your grace. Fill me with your spirit and I'll never be the same. Now say, I'm a child of God and I boldly declare that I will live the life God calls me to live. And one day, I'll be with him in heaven. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Can we congratulate everybody? Congratulations to everyone who prayed that prayer. Hey, miracle. A miracle just happened in your life. Big congratulations to everybody in the building. And I also believe people online who prayed that prayer. That's a miracle that just happened in your life. We're so excited about it. We're so proud of your decision this morning. Because you just did the right thing. Nobody takes a step towards God in Jesus and it's a wrong step. You just did the very right thing. Thank you so much for joining us here at Sycamore Church. If you pray that prayer at the end, we are so excited about your decision for Jesus and we would love to help you get established in your relationship with him. So please let us know about your decision at www.sycamore.church forward slash Jesus. There you'll also find all kinds of resources to help you build your relationship with Jesus. If you enjoyed this message, we would love for you to subscribe wherever you are listening or visit www.sycamore.church forward slash resources. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.